Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. Who wants to be a millionaire? And your memory is like Jeopardy. My, all right, so have you seen Sherlock? Yes. All right, yes, so. We've talked about it. Yeah, my memory is like the memory palace from Sherlock. But I'm saying video game. Or not video game, but game show wise, you would be a good Jeopardy contestant. Whereas I feel like my memory bank storage system works out in a way that would make me good at Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. If you think about the we way. We would kill that, it on Family Feud. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No question. They'd be like, uh, family? And I'd be like, it's 2020, dog. Close enough. Like, don't hate. Don't hate. We out here. So I actually got to uh, play a little bit more Smash Bros, right? Right. And Steve's kind of cool. Like, he actually has... Okay. Like, Steve's actually a pretty, Oh, oh. He's a cool character. In Steve news. <laughs> he's a cool character. Uh, like, he can shoot you over... Uh, like, he has this little cart thing that he rides on, and right. he can kick it out. And if you land on it, you can't move, but the thing keeps sliding. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty cool. And uh, you know who I play in Smash Brothers, right? Richter. I play Richter because it's right! God damn it. God damn it. Crash it through. This is Doc and Ziggy with the Flood. Keep your death threats to 140 characters or less. How you doing today, Doc? Well, I'm getting my coffee in. So, you know, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Cheers. I'm upset that you got me in that one. You got me that time. Edit that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but it's like, I mean, we living, we good. You know, every day is a step. <laughs> and we got up out of the bed and we stepped this morning. I got to work yesterday. Damn, yeah, I pulled a double yesterday. That's probably why I'm a little... I got to work a wedding and it felt great. I missed being bored at weddings. Ooh, ooh, okay, explain. So, all right. When I work a DJ gig, it's more or less like 45 minutes of setup, crash a wedding, 45 minutes of teardown with like 20 minutes of, you know, helping to run mics. Okay. A little bit of sound check for yeah. the ceremony and yeah. then just moving stuff around. Yeah, but once everybody gets drunk, then you get to either go hang out in the back with the rest of the staff or you get to mingle with the singles. Yeah, and but the, like the thing is is like when you mingle with the singles, it, you realize that there's like no point mm. because you're going out the door as soon as last song. Ah, right. Right. And by yeah. that, I mean 11 o'clock. Yeah, Don't so ask your DJ for another song. So They're contracted is... to 11, right. and we all want to get out of there. Exactly. Unless the party is lit. But, I mean, how often? I don't know. Around here, I just... I've been to a few weddings. Not a lot. I just haven't been to too many that are lit. No insult to anybody whose wedding I've been to. I mean, the last one I went to, Ashley's stepbrother's wedding. That was fun. That was a fun one. I had a good time there. I have worked... My brother's wedding was awesome, of course, but that's because that's my family. I have worked so many weddings, and anybody that's worked as many weddings as I have will attest to this. I've worked so many weddings, I have subconsciously planned my dream wedding. <laughs> Tell the phone. What's, what, what you got for your dream wedding, sir? Uh, for starters, 
The color is purple. <laughs> that that's that should have been like an obvious, but um, the reception's gonna be in somewhere kind of neo-modern industrial, yeah. like uh, uh, think like give, yeah, give a me refurbished a train station. <laughs> okay, okay. I worked actually. No, it was a refurbished steel mill in mm. Baltimore, mm. and it was awesome. There was okay. like chrome base around all of these like lacquered wood pillars yeah. and everything like it okay. was gorgeous okay. but you could definitely be like all right this is definitely a steel factory yeah and you know you look out and you see like graffiti and the raven stadium's right there yeah. and camden yards is right there and like you're underneath it at an overpass and it feels like but it's not industrial enough that you get like murdery vibes like no but i it, i wanted to have a city vibe yeah I got you. I got you. Yeah, see, I haven't decided, and of course, you know, it's not really up to me. It's up to the missus. But I haven't really decided whether I want to go. I'm leaning towards, like... You know where to put most of your money, right? In the reception? No, in the DJ specifically. Ah, that's fair. Oh, I got the hookup on that. Shout out to DJ Jam. If y'all don't know, get hit. I was actually about to say, like... I was working with uh, Jason last night, and he was like, "If you know anybody that needs a DJ for a wedding, yeah, we got we got the hookup. <laughs> Y'all should already. So if you need a DJ for a wedding, hit us up at the flood. Fucking man, you realize there's like no point to try to be single and mingle outside of like ah, that's target practice. About. I totally forgot. I mean, you could always shoot one of the here's my number, call me when you get out kind of deals. Yeah, and then they'll be like, all right, our plane to Nebraska is leaving uh, tomorrow. Yeah, but that also means that they probably have a hotel room, so, you know. Great. I have to go pack up all of the equipment and take it back to the office. I mean, how thirsty are you, my nigga? Like, that's all what it depends on, right? Like, if you try and get the snoo-snoo in, then... <laughs> Yo... You go do what you I have a story I probably would have to edit out if I told you on here. But it was wild at the wedding. Like, one thing that I heard about at the wedding last night was wild. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Ooh, trashy wedding stories. I'm all here for it now. The folks want it now. You know that's that enticing, all right, sensationalist so, shit that people live. You, um, we'll I'm, sure you've, I'm sure you've heard of uh, the... the the cultural phenomena and gossip talk. <laughs> white girl wasted. Oh yeah, yeah. I look, look. So, <laughs> do we need to get the into the bride? It? Got white girl wasted. Ooh, ooh, extra trash. Like came up to me as a DJ. Like she, she was like, "Who are you?" I'm like, "I'm his assistant." She's like, "You're his assistant? I love you too." Like this, nice. this is that the level we're at. This is the level we're at. here, and I just want to say this is probably the best time of my life. I don't know. Oh, you I'm guys. getting to I'm getting to that part. <laughs> anyway, go on. So, apparently, I was off just like you know, like I said, I I get bored at weddings. Eventually, I just yeah. go yeah. wander around and people watch. You know, break the switch up. Or just, like, explore whatever the venue is. Because ah, some of these venues fair. are fucking gorgeous. That's and fair. huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go see the courtyard. So, I came back right before to pack up. And Jason was, after the bride left when we were there. And she was yeah. like, I love you. Because we were packing up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jason said, yo, she came up to me and was like, what are you doing tonight? And uh, he's like, what? Uh, <laughs> And 
she said, and he's like, it's your wedding night. He was like, I can call you after he goes to sleep. And I'm like, Black.com. <laughs> Classy wife wants to get trashy on her wedding night. <laughs> And you the worst part is she said, "Wait, I'll wait till he goes to sleep." Yep, yep, that's how it starts, yo. No, that was that was the worst part. I yo, was like, it no. would have been at least like, nope, that's how the porn starts, son. She's sitting in the bathroom in her <laughs> wedding dress, <laughs> and you said my man name was Jason. Come on, man, like, yo, and, black dude named Jason. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Like, do you know how many black dudes named Jason there are in porn? Like. <laughs> This shit just wrote itself. And people are like, porn's not realistic. And I'm like, eh. It depends on how nasty of a person you're talking about. People are, people are wild. You get them drunk enough, them inhibitions get gone. People just jump out there. like. You That's how some it? people find out they're gay. <laughs> <laughs> Is it time for Ziggy Needs Therapy? No, I'm just... <laughs> my man was like, don't do like, that. Like, we no. went over last week. Yeah. I am secure in my sexuality. Obviously. We both are. We make the most wild jokes on here possible. Like, yeah. you kind of got to be. Especially in today's day and age. Why so serious, people? I don't know. I still don't agree with Young Thug wearing a dress, though. I mean, what about... Or MGK. Yeah, look, all right, can we talk about that for a minute? How do you feel about chokers? Because, you know, rappers are, like, you know. It, no. That, thank you. All right. But, I mean, you see, like, the Migos rocking all, like, these blinged-out chokers and XXXTentacion and, um, Lil I mean, Uzi it's the type Bert, of thing where, like, like if you're going to try to be a trendsetter. It was kind of, like, I guess it's, I told you, rock is getting into, like, or rock, rap is getting into this dirty, like, grunge thing, like, Travis Scott and all of them. Like, I mean, fucking look at Kanye's clothing line, right? Like, the chic homeless look. Like, come on. I mean, if it didn't come from Kanye, like, anybody still banging Nikki Six would have, like, dug that shit. <laughs> it was total, like, glam trash rock aesthetic. And that's what the chokers are all about, right? But I'm, like, over here, like, give me that fat dookie gold rope. Like, I'm still, I would much rather rock one of them big, dumb T-Pain chains, big, dumbass chains. <laughs> if the clock was iced out, if it was a giant rolly, I don't understand why Flav has to have a giant rolly When I was listening though. to Joe Rogan's Flav interview. has to have a giant rolly somewhere, though. I mean, we could talk about Joe Rogan for a second, but I'm just trying to think. Like, you said giant clock, right? And I'm like, why would this nigga have not... I mean, Public Enemy was definitely not the, I guess, flashy type, but Flav is, though. And I just got done watching Flav of Love, and they have him rocking that weird plastic school clock. This should look wild. I don't know. It's Flav of Flav. I just can't. He looks like a sun-dried raisin. Like... Ah, a raisin in the sun, ass nigga? Ah, ah, ah. He looked like a fucking crusty black version of one of them little aliens from Men in Black. I know somebody's making this. I know somebody's made that joke before, yo. But I'm just saying, like, them weird... And then he, he had the nerve, like... The, the fucking Coolio braids. Like, you know where Coolio got them shit. Oh, here we go. 
I'm just like, yo, will somebody please? Like, what's a better Keenan or what's a better Coolio song? The Keenan and Kel theme song or Gangster's Paradise? Ooh, that's tough. But I might have to go with the Keenan and Kel theme song, yo. It's just more live. I feel like Gangster's Paradise is like chill and shit. Like that's riding with the windows down kind of music. But like. You, you just said it. Oh, here it goes. That's the shit. That's that shit. That's that shit right there. That's that splat. That's that splat right there. Mm-hmm. Yo. We know the other really great hip-hop theme song. I am the stone that the building refused. Oh, yeah, the Boondocks theme song. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Now you got me thinking. I mean, the Fresh Prince theme song. We've done this before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but now we're just specifically Yeah, and you know, it was, it was the Fresh Prince song, theme song. Uh, but a hip-hop theme song, though. Like, X-Men. Now I'm trying to think. Neon Genesis Evangelion. My delegation gonna be mad at me because I can't pull up anything off the top of my head that really slapped like that. But that's also because I'm not watching TV. Like, the living themes... The living... I mean, Samurai Champloo... But even if, you're talking about like anime. I'm trying to think about like actual like quote unquote black TV shows that had theme songs that slept. Like the living thing. God damn it. The living, living color. single, living single theme oh. song slap. And that's always like my antithesis to like is that the right word? Yeah. Anyway, for friends, cousin Skeeter theme song. Oh yeah. Oh fuck yeah. Yeah, the cousin Skeeter theme song went like <laughs> that should go. God damn. Well, who's that? Uh, SWV? And Megan Good. Yeah, Megan Good was in that shit too. God damn. That felt a little creepy because we're talking about young yeah. Megan Good. But I mean, everybody, y'all know I'm I'm talking about adult consenting Megan Good. Being the wonderful church woman that she is. Because, I mean, when we were watching that, we were 10. Right. Exactly. Early exposure. Oh, man. So, I have a couple of things written down. I mean, I got a couple. I got Ice Cube written down. Ooh, since we're talking about... I literally just wrote Ice Cube, and I figured you'd be able to take the ring. Yeah, you know what's funny about that is I haven't really watched anything pertaining to it, because ultimately, my delegation has already decided that they don't really care about this bullshit, because we know Ice Cube isn't pulling a fucking Kanye. Like, they tried to make it seem like Ice Cube was pulling a Kanye. I think he's, to the way it seems is Ice Cube's like, fuck it, it has to get done. Exactly, and that's the motive, right? Is like, regardless of who the president is, is these problems, these issues are not going to go away. And if anybody's going to go and kick it straight with fucking Donald, I believe it's gonna be Ice Cube. Like, cut the bullshit. Hey, stop fucking with Korean Jesus. See, this is why we still need Key and Peel because Joe Button, oh, Joe Button, God damn it, do the drop. <laughs> Joe Biden needs an anger interpreter, and I feel like his anger interpreter should be Ice Cube. I mean, did you hear about the little black kid that made like a fucking thousand dollars at his school for selling N-word passes to his <laughs> white friend? No. I really hope that's that, industrious, though. I really hope that story is real. I really hope that's not an internet joke. <laughs> no. I was how do you feel about this, though? Do you? 
Are you like, he really shouldn't be doing that because That's he consciously right. knows that it's wrong? Or are you like, I respect the hustle? Both. That's where I was getting at. Like, I'm conflicted, right? Because I'm like, now he's got little white kids running around the school using N-word passes and trying not to get beat up. Like, no, no, the, the Quran sold this to me. <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm like, fucking genius. He's going places. Yeah, you know? like, you get this man an app and it's going. <laughs> like, I'm like, and they be, and they be, look, look, this is my point. They try to call my people dumb, right? They try to say we lazy and I'm just like, look at this little innovative young nigglet here. Like, <laughs> reminds me of a, yeah. it reminds me of an old joke that I heard. It was like, uh, dating a stripper is like eating potato chips in church. Everybody's gonna look at you with shame, but they actually want some too. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even gonna hold that back. That's a good one. It's fucking good. Yo, I just. Yeah, Joe Biden needs an anger interpreter because this playing civil shit. Like, we'll get into all the political shit later. I just literally wanna talk about the comedic value of Joe. Maybe, maybe, Fire Marshal Bill. <laughs> Would be a good anger interpreter. I mean, he did a fucking clean job at that Joe Biden shit, Joe. It is insane. I mean, he really, like... The mannerisms were just a little off, but that's because it's clearly Jim Carrey pretending to be an exaggerated version of Joe Biden. It was the mask. Just not in a mask. In a Joe Biden mask. Oh, God. I, I just had a terrible vision of Jim Carrey wearing Joe Biden's face, like... And you know what? If we replaced Jim Anthony Hopkins with Jim Carrey, I'd still buy that role. I was getting ready to say yeah. I'd still buy that role. Change very much. Like the cable guy. The cable guy. So Jim Carrey has done two extremely dark comedies. The cable guy is. um, What was the other one? God damn it! I want to know if you guessed this one. The one that I'm thinking of is a really dark comedy. It's the one where he plays the dude whose life is being like comforted. The Truman Show. There you go. Yes. People are like, how can you not remember the name of the Truman Show? Like, you know what the most fucked up part of that entire movie is? It's the last 30 seconds. Yeah. What are? Where where he finally gets out of this giant phenomenon, and he's like, Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, and. He walks out and everybody cheers and then the old ladies at the diner are like, Oh, what else is on? Yeah. And that's it. Yep. The bleakness of a commercial lifestyle. Like that movie's dark. Well, I mean, it's reality now. It was reality TV! It was ruined the world! It was predicted, right? Like it was prophetic. It's very prophetic because that is exactly what we are living in now. As much as I love, and I you, was just thinking, I was like, these people that like live stream their lives. That's what I'm saying. I, I want to talk, I, like I want to talk to a couple. Have of you them ever seen like, the Truman Show? And I'm like, how much does this feel like the Truman Show? They, how often do you forget you're on camera? But you, they, they talk about that all the time. That's why I was gonna say I love YouTube, right? But it's also part of the problem, and that's where I be conflicted a lot of the fucking time, right? Because I don't really watch a lot of TV anymore, thanks to fucking YouTube, but. These YouTubers talk about that shit. Like, I was watching this one, I forget what his name is, but, um, because it wasn't really, his, he's not relevant. What he was talking about, though, 
was he found himself doing things that he would normally do in real life, but for the views. Like buying his girlfriend flowers or fucking, I don't know, any like average, like that stuck out in my head. Like he wasn't buying her flowers because he was trying to be nice. He was, he was buying, buying her flowers, flowers for the gram. For, yeah, for the views, son, for the likes. Like, when you get to a point where... That's why people really always get into Taylor Swift. Because they'll be like, oh, Taylor Swift did this really nice thing, but she rolled up with an t- entire film crew. That's And that's people's point of, like, these, um... Videos. And Taylor Swift is unapologetically a white supremacist symbol and kind <laughs> of a bitch. No, she... She disavowed them before fucking Donald Trump did. It still took her a while. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and fucking cape for Taylor Swift, but, like, yes, the idea of living your entire existence for a fan base, like, the idea of being famous, and of course, you know, YouTube streamers, and, um... We'll get into, into all of this behind us yeah. later. But I will point out this one right here. If everybody is performing constantly, this is a quote from Majora's Mask, the Zelda game. Your true face. What kind of face is it? I wonder. The face under the mask. Is that your true face? If you're always on stage, are you... Ever who you truly are? Are you ever you? Yeah. Because you're always performing. But... But to play devil's... Like, I love the spotlight. Clearly, I love the spotlight. Right. I and mean, this, this is... is yeah. This is still... While it's very organic, it is still performative in nature. But that's my point, right? Like, here's the hypocrisy of me calling out people seeking fame through reality TV and social media, right? We just read that quote. And we would like to blame the current like, I guess, stream of media for people seeking fame almost to an addictive sense. But people did that before we had TV. <laughs> it is human nature to an extent. We all seek initially put on a face... To seek adoration. Not just to seek adoration. We all initially put on a face because we are newly discovering these relationships, right? And we don't know how we can expose ourselves to this new world, to this new person entirely yet. So we inherently just put up these defenses because that's kind of how we've been taught. And when we come across cultures and people who aren't like that, we write them off as weirdos, right? Because they're way too in your face and too out there and too open and the West, specifically here we kind of have this um i guess like this predisposed nature to like shame and to being withdrawn because of like i guess america specifically it's like protestant like catholic like background like i'm you know the whole scarlet letter shit like that time period the pilgrims you know were very conservative <laughs> And um, I just had like a brain shock moment, light bulb going off moment. Go for it, because it'll give me a moment to gather my conclusion here. Why was his last name Truman? Capote? 
true. Oh, true, man. Truth. If he was taken from birth, they can make him whoever they want. And that's the darkness behind the movie from the begin with. The true man show. I mean, is that the darkness behind human nature, though? Can we ever truly be who we want to be? You know, especially... See, the thing is, is Truman... And that's where... Was being who he wanted to be. Right. Or at least who he thought he wanted to be. It was the inverse of what we're talking about right now. Where the person on camera would always be cognizant of them streaming their life. Truman was being wholly and organically himself granted in a manipulated... Because he was given a privilege. Ooh, you want me to make this racial for you? Because he was given a privilege to exist however he wanted to as long as he complied however they wanted him to as long as he complied with the system as long as he participated in the game Truman was given the materials necessary to live his life happily kind of how a white true man <laughs> is given the privilege to just you know travel i was listening um to a podcast what you just the way you just said that reminded me of the first episode of the boondocks mr free man <laughs> but that's the point right i feel like that's why every like black character recently who is revolutionary in some exist in some sense of the word has the last name freeman right because it's an objective that we're trying to achieve and it, I would, Lester Freeman from The Wire, Morgan Freeman from Real Life, Atticus Freeman from Lovecraft Country. Boom. <laughs> I mean, uh, but I was listening to Behind the Bastards, and they were just doing a podcast on um, with, uh, Nathan Rhodes. No, it's not Nathan Rhodes. What the fuck is his name? Uh, the guy who invented Rhodesia and all of that shit. Um, I, you, I, you lost me. Okay, well. They got to talking about how... Hold on. Let's take a breather. Cecil Rhodes. Thank you. But it was Cecil Rhodes, or Cecil, I don't know, however you say it. Um, but Robert was talking about how during the time of like British imperialism, it was majorly like the upper middle class that was doing a lot of the traveling and conquering of different territories and stuff like that for the British colonies. White shit. And it was, but it was something that like the young upper middle class was doing in like their winters and like summers off and shit. So the equivalent of nowadays hipsters? Kind of, sort of. And it, but it was their freedom to be able to just travel with the money that they had and go off and do all this exploring for the sake of the British colony that, you know, allowed the advance of Western civilization. And I was tying that into the Truman Show because it was tying that into white privilege being that, like, you know, the because of the privilege, a lot of these, not everybody, of course, I get tired of having to say that, but it's obviously something that needs to be said. It, but because of privilege, a lot of white men are allowed to live in existence that is quote-unquote free. Like, you can just pack up and move wherever. Or, like, if you want to become a movie star in Hollywood, you can just, you know, throw all your shit in a van and something will be waiting for you on the other end of the Yeah, day. you'll show up as a rock star and hate every minute of it. 
But it's also <laughs> it's also like the idea about America, right? Like, I mean, that's why all the immigrants and shit came over here, all majority white, to start a new lifestyle, to find something in America that they couldn't find in their home country. It's like a line that I sent you earlier uh, yesterday. I was talking about uh, American history with somebody, and uh, you know, like. We were talking about George Washington and, like, all of the, you know, great shit George Washington did. But then we also were, like, problematic. Yeah. And that made me think. I was like, America has always been great, but it's never been perfect. No. No country has been. For all the things that the British Empire did that did advance, like, you know, global society. And now, now what we're not doing is we're not rewriting history. We are just showing like the thing this is not a perfect country and no. the history books are portraying it as such we're just we're not a complete product yeah we're the great experiment want to take something off the docket you want to talk about this let's talk about this for so this thingy behind us it's our dream board <laughs> not really it's actually this is the first board we're gonna have two of them and it's just a bunch of shit that kind of represent doc and i and ergo the flood pod you want to break it down? I mean, all right. So, uh, what you got up there? We got a mix of stuff from Doc and I. Uh, like, of course, I have David Bowie. Got John Stewart, former Daily Show host. Uh, Richter Belmont and Alucard from Castlevania. Batman, Jackie Robinson, Kurt Cobain. Oh, I missed this one. I didn't know. That is my favorite Batman story, Long Halloween. It oh, is. Okay. It, it is one of the quintessential Batman stories. Hmm. It looks like the Mask of Phantasm. It's it's really it it's classic. Like it's honest to God, it's a classic. Then we got, of course, my hero Fred Hampton. How about you tell everybody about Fred Hampton, man? Because I don't know too much about Fred Hampton. Fred was a bad motherfucker, yo. I mean, from a very he was Chicago, born and raised. Uh, from a very early age, he was making um, big waves in. I guess the community action community. It looks like he's seventies, like Black Panther era. Yes, yes. Um, and right here, he may have only been like seventeen. You know, he didn't live very long, of course. Unfortunately, he was assassinated by the Chicago Police Department in a very contested and hot case. Um, it took a when? lot. Uh, I can't remember the date off the top of my head, but um, you know the year. Or how old was he? All of the shit. I want to say he was only like 23. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um... It... 
took a lot to prove that, um, oh, so he was assassinated December 4th, 1968. It doesn't say how old he was when he was assassinated. Um, 21. Wow. Yep. He was only 21. And it, yeah, his, like I said, he did a lot for, uh, the Black Panther scene in Chicago. Never smoked, never drank, um, very great orator. He was able to do things like get black teachers hired at his colleges, um, or his, it may have even been his high school. Like, that's how early he was doing this kind of shit, which, of course, made him a very hot target for the FBI at the time. Um, who else we have? Of course, Tupac, Kobe, the Silver Surfer. Kobe. Rest in peace. Rest in power. Black Panther. We got Jackie Robinson up here, who I put up here, who's my biggest hero. Uh, mostly because the struggle with Jackie Robinson is an allegory for the story of America. And it's that's real. I mean, a lot of the black struggle... <laughs> is exactly what we were talking about earlier. It's that that ambitious American spirit that, like, even in the face of just it's like an the, uphill the, battle, you still keep striving for something better instead of becoming a, complacent with what it is you have. There are two lines associated with Jackie Robinson that stick out in my head above any other. So... There was an exchange between him and Branch Rickey, the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers, who signed Jackie. Yeah. And Jackie said, so you want someone who's strong enough to fight back? And Branch Rickey goes, no, I want someone who's strong enough not to. And I mean, that almost plays into humility, right? It's like knowing that... And then this leads right into the quote. Well, it's not a quote. It is the inscription on his tombstone. Okay. Um, a life is not important except for its impact on other lives. Mm. Mm. When I actually went to, and I did a vacation over the weekend in New York uh, a couple of years ago, um, I know it was the year the Seahawks won the Super Bowl because oh. we I was there Super Bowl weekend when the new, when the Super Bowl was in New York. Yeah. Before I even dropped off my stuff at my brother's, first thing I did was I went to the cemetery where Jackie Robinson buried and I went to his grave. Mm. Let's see. What else do we have on this board before I get all... Black Panther. Belly. My favorite movie. Zoolander. Mine. Outcast. Bruce Lee. Kevin Garnett. Huey and Riley Freeman. We will, we will do a serious one on Boondock. Yeah, we gotta do a deep dive. And, um, of course, we have Golden Killua and Hisoka from Hunter x Hunter. Akuma. Akuma? Oh, wow, I just left you hanging even though I was just flashing the tattoo. It's all good. We can cut it out. Shivana, my girl, my favorite character in League of Legends. Archer, the greatest spy to ever live. Or the worst. He's the Johnny Bravo of spies. Yes. And then Julian Casablancas, who to me is the epitome of cool. Right next to the album cover of the strip. Yep. I didn't even plan that. It's funny how these boards type of thing work out. 
whenever I, cause I do this type of stuff. Like I've done this type of stuff before. I don't look at what pictures are next to each other. I just try to get the structure right. And then I look at it and somebody will point out, it's really funny you have that one next to that one. And I'm like, huh. It's only funny because it's great to see how your brain works without you realizing it. Oh man, did I ever tell you about the worst, greatest pickup line I've ever used and it fucking worked? Nah, what was it? Alright, so I was at uh, AACC, community college, and I just finished all my classes and I went to the cafeteria and I got myself some chicken strips and I got my, I was eating my, uh, my chicken strips, I walked over, I'm just like tired. And I looked out the window and I saw my friends Pat and Jamal and they were talking to this girl and I immediately just start shoveling all of these chicken strips into my like fucking mouth. And the, the really annoying girl came up, not the, not the girl I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. This other really annoying girl came up and she was like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to eat? I'm like, I'm trying to finish this before she leaves. Yeah, yeah. Ah. And this should work? No. I then went outside. Okay. That wasn't the pickup line. Oh, okay. That was like the... Yeah, I had, like, like, that was my yeah. Kobe Bryant moment. Shoot like, your shot. I walk out. I look her straight in the face. And I say, our children will be Batman. And it fucking worked. Our children, multiple, will be Batman. Singular. And that also implies that we're both gonna die. Together. Yes. That's some dark shit. That's some dark shit. I don't know why it worked. But then the whole, like, the whole thing that turned into shit. like a game show environment where Pat Jamal and I were all like taking turns trying to pick. Uh, wow. Wow. So y'all not blind dated this girl. What was it? The love connection? Yeah, and I won. Damn. Damn. Totally won. Well, now that we've run over our new background for you guys. One of. One of. One of our new backgrounds for you guys. Let's get into some uh it's, I, I, think it's, I think it's better than just a blue backdrop. Yeah. Add something for you guys who like to check in We're on We're getting visuals. a little bit more professional. Somebody send us that bag, please. Anytime now. Anytime we yep, be great. we've been patiently waiting. You give us a studio and we might not have as many child interruptions. Ooh. I feel like you might be throwing a shot out at somebody who may or may not be listening to this. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> uh, so, in Spidey news. Like Spider Man or the creepy crawlies? I mean, a giant man in a costume crawling across buildings would be pretty creepy in real life if you stop and think about it. Yeah, fair enough. Continue. Have you seen the uh, multiverse that's getting ready to happen in the DC or the DC? Woo! In the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I think I saw a snippet. Care to go on a little bit farther? So it has recently been confirmed that not only will Tom Holland be reprising his role as Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire will also be reprising his role as Spider-Man. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> and um, whoever the other Spider-Man... Andrew will. Garfield? Yes, yes, Andrew Garfield. Yes, he will be. So we will have three, potentially four Spider-Men in this movie. Well, because... You know, it, that, 
that's going to be an Enter the Spider-Verse storyline. It's. I just find it funny that after Enter the Spider-Verse did so well, they're now like, oh, maybe we can do the Spider-Man. With three white guys? No, but that's the funny part, right? Because it seems like, according to some valuable sources, some They'll reliable... Bring miles. They're bringing in Miles, and they already have an idea for who they want to cast as Miles. I guess at this point, it's just up to confirming their willing participation. Uh, they haven't named who it is yet, of course, because you know how they have to drag things out yeah. to drag the hype out. But yeah, so and Jamie Foxx is gonna be so. I did see that Jamie. The, uh, oh, so I this throw. is this is Disney's really clever way to somehow make all of the Marvel stuff canon. I feel like... At this, least the Spider-Man stuff. This is Disney's last cash grab at Spider-Man before Sony snatches the reins back, right? Like, this is their way of saying nobody's gonna do a Spider-Man movie like we're gonna do a Spider-Man movie. <sighs> Oh man, I forgot about that whole Sony thing. Yeah. Are they getting Spider-Man back? They want Spider-Man back. I that doesn't mean they're gonna get it. It looks like they made them. Like they're fat. Like they, Sony would be taking on the modern-day equivalent of the Persian Empire. It was like the deal was only for like three or four pictures, right? Like three or four actual like movie releases. And then Disney realized, wait. He's always been the most popular. That's why they sold. That's why it was one of the first properties sold. And you know why Spider-Man is so appealing to people? Because it's a Peter Parker as Spider-Man story. That's, I mean, that's the whole point of. Whenever you're reading those thought bubbles, yeah. What does he say? He says Petey. Yeah. Hmm. And why do you think that made it so popular? Because when you're looking at people like Superman. Where their secret identity yeah. is to become Clark Kent when they are Superman. Or Batman is the perfect example. Batman, his secret identity is actually Batman. The costume is Bruce Wayne. Mm. Mm. Okay, and you think... I think, so, I, I wrote a very long paper on Batman and Joker. And I believe that Bruce Wayne, the the consciousness and the soul yeah. inside that body, died that night in the alley. Yeah, it's. I mean, and that's why Batman is kind of like his coping mechanism. And this is one of the big things that like reinforced this was there's an episode of Batman Beyond mm. where classic. Uh, the 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 villain would basically be able to make people. Hear, hear things and hallucinate things. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> they tried to do it to old man Bruce, and Bruce was able to snap out of it. Well, after all of his years and with the scarecrow, it's uh, in the at the end of it, Terry was like, "So Bruce, how are you able to snap out of this?" He goes like, "Because he kept calling me Bruce. I don't say that. Mm. Mm. Cause he's not Bruce." He's Batman. And he's been Batman. Whereas Peter Parker is always Peter Parker. Yes. Spider-Man exactly. is just the outfit that allows him 
to do what Batman does. Yeah. Spider-Man is super relatable. He's always been one of the most relatable superheroes. Yeah. And that's why he was Marvel's most popular superhero. I mean, like, what's your image of Spider-Man? My image of Spider-Man is, like, a mid-twenties guy, carries a backpack, I might even probably just finished, he's probably working at grad school. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. He's probably in grad, like, that's my image of Spider-Man. He's, like, in grad school in New York. But I only imagine Spider-Man to be in grad school because he's super smart, right? Like, I still imagine I'm, Spider-Man. Like, I'm thinking, like, age-wise. Yeah, but that's my point. Like, age-wise, I've always put Spider-Man somewhere between 17 and 24. I always would say, like, 17 and 32. Mm-hmm. But that, I guess that's because we've had time to grow up with Peter. Well, Patrick. not only, like, I've, I read Spider-Man... Like, I remember the uh, One Last Day storyline. Mm. Where he had to make a deal with Mephisto uh-huh. to save Aunt May's life, but he, in exchange, lost all of his memories and his marriage with Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. I remember that because everybody was like, no, finally, after shipping these two for all this time, you guys finally put them together, and then you retcon everything with this cheesy fucking Save Aunt May story. And it's like, of course, Peter would do anything to save Aunt May. She's literally or, been his yeah, rock. It, it's, it's conflicting maxims, because if... Actually, I don't know if it is conflicting maxims. I think he might just actually save Aunt, Ma- Aunt May every time. Yeah, because she's his rock. And, I mean, Mary Jane has left him for his best friend. Um, he let Gwen Stacy die. He almost let Mary Jane die. Multiple times. <laughs> but, I mean, this Spider-Man movie is looking to... I mean... It's I, looking... Sounding interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it's going to carry the mantle. Deadpool should show up in it just to like further tie in all the universes. I guess that was going to be my point. Is like, who do you think, or the next thing I was going to ask is, who do you think is the most popular Marvel character now? I mean, all the fedora neckbeards have made Deadpool really popular. Yeah. But my delegation has made Black Panther really popular. Black Panther might actually be it. Especially with Chadwick, Chadwick, Chadwick passing so suddenly, I would you know, say give it that Tupac vibe. I would say it's like Black Panther, Iron Man. Yeah, that's. I was gonna say maybe Iron Man because he was the flagship character for. And Downey is just so perfect. He was as Iron Man. It's gonna be hard to see him as anybody else but Iron. I feel like that's why him and Chris Evans let it go because they're like, it's gonna be hard for them to escape. He tried. He just tried to redo Doctor Doolittle. And no, I, did anybody care about that? Did you see it at all? Have I would. I would care trailers? if he did another Sherlock Holmes. Maybe. Like I said, I. But I feel like that's just Robert Downey playing Robert Downey Jr. cosplaying Sherlock Holmes. It's a less funny. It. It's less funny and more sardonic. Yeah. But maybe that's who he is in real life. Yeah, I feel like the reason he's such a good Tony Stark is because he's not far off no, normal. No, and he said that, right? Like, he kind of identified with the character. Tony is a lot darker in the comic books. Oh, yeah. Than they made him in the Disney movies because it's Disney, Tony is right? a huge alcoholic oh, in yeah. the comic books. Yes, yeah. and so was Robert Downey Jr. Like, 
That was his whole thing. His whole fall from grace. Was did you the know he was on SNL? I did not. He was on SNL for one season, and he was fucking wow. terrible. Well, makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. I mean, he got a hold of that comedic timing, though. Fair. And comedy is like what sixty percent timing. Fair. Eric Andre is like all timing. And breaking shit. It's it's the absurdity of timing. Yeah. God. It absurdity is an art form. Is often misunderstood. I think that's the point of absurdity, right? But I think people that don't notice that it's absurdity that happens more often I mean, you fucking Donald Trump retweeted point. a goddamn satire article thinking it was real yesterday I was just listening once again listening to a podcast I was listening to the dollop shout out Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds uh, um, I was listening to the episode on Abby Hoffman who was this political activist that reveled in the absurd nature right like they would do things like his biggest stunt, I believe, was they dressed up like witches and claimed they were going to levitate the Pentagon. What? Yeah, in, in all in an effort to draw attention to the absurdity of invading a country without, like, actually having a reason to invade said country. Like, it's saying, like, me saying I'm going to raise the Pentagon 20 feet during an exorcism is this I'm going to fulfill Godwin's law here and say, but what if you're invited or welcome to raise the Pentagon? No. Oh, to invade a country? Yeah. Well, that would be different. That wasn't Abby's point, though. Like, Abby's point was, like, you know, we are invading, like, Vietnam, I think, was one of his huge causes. And it was like, what are we actually doing over here? I mean, a lot of people felt that way. It, mm-hmm. after a while it was like you guys said we needed to go over there but now all I see is soldiers dying and Abby was like but the Pentagon is evil we must exercise gathered in but tying that all back into absurdity it's just like the uh, yeah I mean that but that's the point of absurdity is a lot of people thought that Abby was just being crazy right but he was like no this is crazy like, the system that we're living under is just as crazy. It's nothing. None of this is normal. No, is <laughs> like me getting high on acid and going and dressing up as a witch and surrounding the Pentagon with people. Might be more sobering than some of the shit going on now. In Vietnam. Or some of the shit that was going on in Vietnam. Like, <laughs> and it's kind Napalm. of real. It's kind of real. So, yeah, let's talk about Donald for a minute, since we're talking about his, um, his constant, how do you feel about that? Him claiming that he's just retweeting it, that he doesn't necessarily agree with any of it. He's just retweeting it because it seemed interesting. Because he's a fucking moron. Well, all right, here's where I'm going to play devil's advocate, right? Because I feel like Donald could have an argument there if... He was adding to the conversation, right? It seems that... When does he add anything to anyone? Well, that's my point, is, like, that's where he fails. And that's where somebody who was a little bit better at their job may be more dangerous than Donald. It's the absurdity of it all, right? Like, 
he could have easily countered that by adding, hmm, this is interesting, maybe we should look into it. Which I guess he has done in the past, but in this time, like, he just chose not to do it. He's like even slipping at the thing he was good at. And I don't know if... <sighs> I don't understand how people can continually see him making these gaps, but then look at Joe Biden and go, he can't even remember what position he's running for. And I... I yeah, don't... but at least Joe Biden will have normal, reasonable, rational people around him. And he can at least go, I'm too old. Kamala, do this. I, I mean, that's all Donald does, right? That's all. And Donald did have normal, or I can calling them normal and rational might be a bit of an exaggeration but I mean yeah he had a bit of those kinds of people around him and he was so absurd that they were all forced out essentially or just left you could I guess there's an argument to be made for forced out but just I'm just making sure that we got all this Donald shit because it always ties all together so Donald also was like, uh, pump, pump, pump it up. Stimulus checks. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but Donald, get him to pump it up. Mm. Like walk the same way, so he has to have like a cane. And of course, you know, they gave him like a cool like spy cane and everything like that. Like the penguin. Penguin. You want to know why Penguin always lost? His umbrella just doesn't do as much as Batman's utility belt. Damn. Also, Batman had it prepped up. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say Penguin's not as smart as um as his Batman. <sighs> I mean, we already went in on why the Riddler is a flawed character to begin with. Yeah. Hey, Batman, do you need some help practicing? Um, the, so back at to Donald news, as much as I would rather not, hopefully soon. Did you see he was like, I don't know, if I lose, I might have to leave the country. And I'm like, don't tease us like that. Yeah. Fucking cock tease. Stop it. Donald. He goes, all right, we're going to push the stimulus talk until after the election. Fucking cunt. And then he's like, fuck, my numbers suck. McConnell, pump, pump, pump it up. Uh, and McConnell's yeah. like... He can take Mitch with him. I hope he take Mitch with him. Get that motherfucker all the way up out of here. People are like, we need to get rid of Donald. He's like, we will have a monumental 500 billion. That's less than half of what they were asking for. Of what we got the last this time. time. This motherfucker. See, that's my point. That's okay. I hate to be Republicans and Democrats, right? Like, I, I think moving forward here. We need to like abolish the party system altogether and vote based on merit. Because here we have- You mean we have to storm the Bastille? You haven't said that one in a while. Uh, yeah, cause I'm getting to the point now where I'm actually a little worried that with all these right wing militia groups popping up that um, there may be some blood here. And it's not going to be good for this country as divided as the media is portraying us to be. I'm still not wholly convinced, though, that we are as divided 
as the media portrays us to be. Like down here, grass- I don't think we're as divided until we find out where the other one politically stands. Even then, I feel like it's tribalism, right? Like, and I feel and like- And that's what what I just said is based yeah, in. Yeah, and uh, but that's my point. Like, I, and that was why I said we need to abolish the party system and vote At this based point, it's not America. Democrat, Republican, and it's Bloods Crips. It, yeah, kinda. <laughs> and we've literally got one side that is armed to the fucking teeth and is screaming for like and here's what republicans here's i guess where we get into like the moral qualms of each other because republicans feel like that democrats are willing to throw values to the way for progress right and democrats feel like republicans are willing to cater to white supremacy and fascism for like maintaining power and and conservative morals, I guess, values, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But it's like, which one is more egregious? Like, at, are, are willing to fraternize with hate and vicious systems, or I guess reconstitute the way you thought life should exist for progress. I, I'm maybe I mean, I'm you realize yes, how I'm, loaded yeah, that scenario yeah, you proposed was. But it's literally the fucking scenario and they don't see it like that and that's when I why I was talking about like fucking Robert and Cecil Rhodes and My biggest thing that I don't understand about the Republican Party is why is empathy so hard? Because they it has been weaponized, right? It is now seen as a form of weakness. Willing, your willingness to empathize with the opposition is seen as weakness in a fascist system. Like, <laughs> I can't be any more clear about that because this shit let Nas down. In a regular democracy, empathy should be the driving factor, right? But literally on both sides of the field we are being told the other side doesn't empathize with you but when you take away the tribes when you take away the party systems and you just propose ideas you often find that most of the time overwhelmingly we agree on the subject it's nuts to me that people are that easily able to be convinced that they don't agree with the other side once you put a title on the group. It's like I said before, it's like people can be arguing for the exact same result, just start from a different place, and then think because they're starting from different places that they disagree. And Republicans are now literally to a point where they are playing the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They are courting with white supremacy and fascism because they can't stand the the left and the Democrats. Like, it's wild. And their news media is making it seem like Antifa is the same thing as fucking the Wolverine Warriors. And not at all. Not at I all. don't know any Antifa meetings. They're, if anything, the militant part of Antifa, however small that fucking proportion is, Let's look at is way more like anonymous. The numbers aren't there. There are 
few, if any, actual murders attributed to Antifa. You, the numbers attributed to these white supremacist ethno-nationalistic groups are enormous. So much so to the fact that Hi Ted! FBI <laughs> TV just blinked on. Uh, How are you doing, Ted? God damn it. Every fucking time, yo. And every fucking time. And y'all think we're just making this shit up. That is not. I'm not making that shit up. That shit was wild. And every we're time. We're trying to get on Ted's good side. Every time we talk about white supremacy, dog, I'm just waiting for my phone to go boop, boop. <laughs> Can you say that again? Because fuck white supremacy, son. Google be like, I'm sorry. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hold on. I'm checking my phone. Send message. <laughs> yes. Message sent. CIA. <laughs> Dog. I. Hey, Google. Call Edward Snowden. The... Hold on. No, we're good. All we're right. Good. But yeah, this. My phone's going off, but it's probably just Skip Bayless tweets. <laughs> oh, so that's something. That I started. But we didn't. Doing. So what? What's going on with the stimulus checks, though? Before we get into the Skip Bayless stuff, like, okay. Yeah, tying it back into the whole. Tying it back into the relevant thing because that would go around. Right. The whole reason I got into talking about that is because Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump are literally out here. The buddy buddies are now actually disagreeing. Pulling on democracy brick by brick apart, and we are seeing discourse here. Is that what I'm hearing between the two? Yeah, um, Trump wants to give away more money, and McConnell doesn't want to give away any money. Right, and, um, right. that's been his stance from the very beginning. Oh he, my god, my Google voice was actually open. Jesus yeah, Christ. Because it's programmed to your voice, not mine. That's why mine didn't go off, thank god. But, but... <laughs> uh, let me check. I had somebody send us some information on it. I believe it was friend of the pod, Mike Lynch. <clears throat> but Mitch has been... People are blaming Dianne Feinstein and Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi gave the White House a 48-hour deadline to reconcile differences in stimulus negotiations. To demonstrate that the administration is serious about reaching a bipartisan agreement. Mitch McConnell isn't serious <clears throat> about reaching anything that has the word bipartisan by in it. <laughs> like, come on, man. Stop playing. It's not even... That's, that's my point. Or the point I've been trying to make to people is even once we get rid of Donald, Donald is not a problem. He is a symptom of a problem. He is the tumor that the problem had caused. Right? Like... <laughs> Even if we remove the tumor, there's still a chance. We still got to do some work, right? Like, you still got to go through chemo. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and Mitch is the problem. Mitch is in the blood, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> we got to get that guy the fuck out of here, man. Like, fucking he, turtle. He said it himself. He wants to be the grim reaper of democracy. He's systemically. He's systematically trying to dismantle the Republic and rebuild it in the way that him and the GOP fantasizes that the American system should work, which is feed the rich, starve the poor. It's a nice Bastille you got there. <laughs> It'd be uh, a shame if somebody stormed it. 
I'm sure Mark Rome will be willing to lend us a few guillotines. Maybe I shouldn't make that joke. Nah, I'll let them all eat cake. <laughs> it's all they want, man. It's all they want. And then they look at us like we're crazy for asking for things that seem normal when you take the words Democrat and Republican out of them. You want to hear something crazy? <laughs> Crazier than so, Donald QAnon. Oh, God. There is a QAnon theory that when Trump does his rally in Dallas... Texas, that he's going to name John F. Kennedy Jr. What? As his running mate. Because secretly, JFK Jr. has apparently been alive this whole time. And, okay. So that was going to be one of my questions. And they're going How? to reveal it in Dallas? Where JFK was killed? How distasteful. That's like him holding his first campaign rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? <laughs> like, he constantly, but like, that's what he does, man. Trump's like, I want to have it right here where he died to honor him. To honor him. That's probably his Trump. But also, also, this is a QAnon theory, right? So we can't give too much water it's to It's just this. the ridiculousness of it. This is this type of stuff you come to the flood for. The ridiculous this crap that goes under the radar. Yep. We catch it. And then we try and examine it and tie it into the mainstream perspective because And about 70% of the time it usually ends up at white supremacy. Because <laughs> here's here's where I'm gonna draw a through line. Get, get your red string out. How far away is QAnon from the Thule Society? I don't know the Thule Society. The Thule Society was in a, a secret Nazi organization club where they kind of dabbled in the occult and conspiracy theories a little bit. It's gotcha, a gotcha, gotcha. This is the loophole that allows Nazis to be the villains in anything yes. and have nobody ask questions. Yes, but it was real, right? Like Hellboy. It, main, it, main people are Nazis. Helsing. Wolfen bad guys are Nazis. Full Metal Alchemist. Nazis. Wolfenstein. Nazis. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nazis. And all of that, I think, was, you know, orchestrated through the Thule Society, which, if I'm correct, Lighthouse, you know, double-check me, but the Thule Society was around before the Nazi Party was, and it was where a lot of the founding members of the Nazi Party met, right? So, with that being said, QAnon. <laughs> How far are we from... Because a lot of... Now, not just Donald, there are a lot of... Republican GOP senators and congressmen and governors and mayors retweeting crazy QAnon conspiracy. We had a dude running for a representative seat in Florida, I believe it was, that was a outspoken QAnon believer. Like, so we've had QAnon supporters run for congressional seats. So how far are we from them actually becoming a real political party because it's something like i don't know 25 percent of the country that actually believes i reportedly allegedly through polls that actually believes that some of the QAnon conspiracy theory holds weight and that's just people willing to admit it right 
the silent majority type thing. It may actually be more like a third of the country. And all based around the idea that uh, I don't want to talk about QAnon. Look, it's just, it's, because that's the part, I mean, QAnon itself doesn't creep me out. Like, most of that shit is like silly, nonsensical bullshit to me, right? But the supporters, they're the people that worry me a little bit. Because, like I said, you know, they've tried running for, and there's probably like it's the ripple effect yeah there's probably like fucking people in actual positions of power who go home and like spend their afternoons like cops who get off and go look up QAnon videos on fucking YouTube and shit and then then across the country what we have right now because they and want then to they looked it up the one time on YouTube and then it's in the algorithm forever yep and what we also have across the country happening right now, I don't know if you're hit to this, is all these police walkouts, right? Like, all these police departments are having hundreds of cops walk out and quit their jobs because of all the police reform that's going on around the country. Where do you think those guys are going to go? They're now radicalized, right? Like, I, I maybe you could call that hyperbole, right? But I feel like them walking off the job is a radical position to take. Right, because of quote unquote police reform that they feel like is unfair. Donald is constantly calling these people to stand back and stand by. They are now leaving their jobs, which may have been the only thing holding them to a moral standard. For what? To go join these militia groups? Sebastic terrorists! I'm not saying all of them are going to go leave these militia groups, but even if only... Domestic terrorists. These domestic terrorists. Thank groups. you. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Let's call it what it is, yo. These are domestic terrorists. Those groups. people have been kicked out of brunch. And even if only 10% of those cops that walk off of those jobs go join those domestic terrorist groups, that still increases their numbers by a considerable amount. I mean, these are people... The TV was off, right? Yes, it was. That's really fucking weird. Yeah, I'm... I'm pretty sure it was off. Apparently our podcast is more popular than we thought. It really is, like, every time. Because I try... Yeah, every time I try and get y'all motherfuckers hit, son. Think about that. I'm sorry. Like, let's get into it, man. You might as well put... Like, go back and put the breaking dock thing in somewhere because we here... And and we crashing through... (laughs) Because that shit, all of it, you tie all that shit in together, man. And it doesn't seem like much when you look at it individually. It's but like the, gumbo. The bigger picture <laughs> is making a pot of something foul, my guy. This shit is, if you ain't ready, get ready. Because they ready. And they're in formation. <laughs> That's why they was mad at Beyonce, right? Because they thought Beyonce was calling for that shit. They said, bitch, how you gonna come out here and be all militant for the Super Bowl? Sports are supposed to be bipartisan and neutral, and you gonna come out here all militant and tell people to get in formation. That's really hard to do when everything in the world boils down to art, money, and politics. <sighs> Yet here, the it's... It's literally the pot calling the kettle black, right? And in... And... <laughs> black! <laughs> uh, 
literally going, I'm afraid for my life. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Speaking of Jesus Christ, I heard that Christians have uh, raised something like $50,000 for the Kenosha shooter. Let me go get the blood of Christ real quick. I'm going to need it. And his uh, lawyer fee, for his lawyer fees and his court fees and shit like that to help defend him for murdering protesters. Now drink from this cup. The cup of my blood. It shall be given up for you. Anyway, what about what about God? <laughs> How do you feel about this recovering Catholic? All of these uh, good Christian folk donating money to somebody who effectively murdered two people. Hypocrites! Fuck them all! You know who else says that? My super Catholic dad, who is an actual Christian. These people, yeah, they're not. See, now, I don't like, want... here's the thing. Like, my dad is a Republican. He is very right. pro-life. He's not right. going to get moved on that. Everything right. else he's super rational about. He just, he's got his stance. He can't be moved from I it. mean, a lot of people do, though, right? And everybody has their maxims that they're going to follow. And, but that's what I feel like these domestic terrorists are playing on, right? Like, they're taking things like abortion and they're making them political topics. And they claim, like, you know, because, I guess, civil rights opened up a gray area for that, where now we can take things that we feel like are moral qualms and bring them into the political spectrum and they're like okay well if fucking black people can have rights then how come i can't say that she can't have an abortion it's like the snowball effect yeah yeah and you would just think that i just find the hypocrisy of it all Absurd. We are really living in a, an extremely absurd time. Like I, I can't. Was, I would when I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. This when he was doing Russell Brand. Yeah. I. It might have been uh, Killer Mike, but they were they walked in. Those are two very different people. <laughs> yeah, but they they covered a lot of the same type of topics, which is weird. But they uh, Joe was saying he walked into the Vatican. And he was like, whoa, look that at all this, like, That sounds like gold. a really weird, like, one of those uh, <laughs> Joe Rogan, Killer Mike, and Russell Brand walk into the Vatican. <laughs> and God says, <laughs> you get three wishes. <laughs> anyway, no, Joe, he said he was like, I just thought to myself, he was like, wow, so much of this shit has to be stolen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the Vatican is so ornate, it's almost gaudy. And the only reason it's not um, is every, it's because the it's the Vatican. The Catholic aesthetic is gaudy. Oh, what do you yeah. mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. The giant Pimp chains robe, before Pippin. Swinging of the giant incense thing. Like, that's, oh, come on. Like, all like, of this. Like, gold thread like, and everything. Witness like, me. 
I am he, representing the all eyes on me. <laughs> like, all eyes on me. That's not uh, a song. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, slime. So, from the recovering Catholic perspective, and my belief system as I hate all the trite ceremonial bullshit, but Jesus. And uh, these people um, also don't like all the trite, trite ceremonial, ceremonial bullshit, bullshit, but they kind of don't bang with Jesus either. It's this, and it's like lukewarm Christianity. This Southern, like, evangelical Christian ideology is um, based in white Jesus and capitalism. <laughs> it's capitalist Christianity at its apex. Right, and, and now the Christian faith itself has been conflated with the right wing. Yeah, but that wasn't by accident either. That was purely by design, and that's why you know Sarah Palin was able to. Which go, makes the separation of church and state hard to maintain. That's the whole fucking point, though. Because that is literally their point. They have wanted the left, to be a the religious. extreme left. Anybody who would admit they're a Christian are like, oh, you're stupid. You don't understand anything. Or if you're Christian and you're on the extreme left, then they look at you as a, a what the fuck is the word for it? It starts with a um, H. Heretic? Yes. Thank you. I was going to say hypocrite, but yeah, no. They, they still look at you as it. And then you've got Christians. That's the whole point, right? Like, that's why I said this fucking tribalism has to go away if we're ever going to come to an agreement on something. I'm going to need to drop a link, but there's a really great uh, Heineken commercial hey, about this. Hey, shout out to Heineken. Um, I will, I, very, very good. I will show you on break. Um, and it basically demonstrates how the way people interact when they first meet somebody blank canvas. Malcolm Gladwell's newest book is also about this. Mm, but, okay, you, right. Right, but we also talked about earlier how the way you act when you first meet somebody, you put on a mask. So people are painting blank canvases of people who are wearing masks. Exactly, and this is one of the major points that Gladwell was tapping on, was people miscommunicate in the first meetings with people based off of like if they're reading the mask or if they're seeing somebody as genuine. Right. But right. Or if you're trying to see through the mask and you're frustrated because you can't. Like one of the things he talked about was the uh, when Cortez met the uh, Aztec or Mayan leader. Right. And it was just translators messing up. Mm. Yes. Yes. And that is what the media is doing. That's what the media is doing, right? The media is where I'm not trying to make it or to demonize it the way that Donald and the right have, but they are not helping, right? Because they are failing to interpret what it is the people want. They are... Give the people what they want. Shout out Jalen and Jacoby. <laughs> right there. Right there. But they are failing to interpret what it is that people actually want. And they are only adding fuel to the fire of the, I guess, the negative aspects of what people... They're only focusing on the negative things that people want, right? And I feel like I hear in my day-to-day -day from my Republican friends and from my 
progressive from my progressive friends not just my democrat friends but like and i don't have many gop friends unfortunately i guess maybe understandably unfortunate for them <laughs> we're fucking rad and you probably would see that if you would take the time to listen and not you know judge for a minute i but saying all that to say this i feel like we have to take the time to talk to each other again. You know, I feel like that's where after Vietnam, we started doing that again, started talking to each other again. And then in the 80s, we became obsessed with like consumer culture and all that shit. And you know, multiculturalism kind of blended in with that and became commercial and it was a way to, you know, bring everybody together through the translation of the media. But then, you know, we had all these economic collapses and stuff like that, and all these other controversies that popped up during the 90s, and that started to drive people apart again. And then 9-11 happened, and the same thing, that tribal barrier broke down for a brief moment because in that month and the month following, we were all just Americans right kinda kinda except for muslim americans but <laughs> true even in some fields but what would it be it would it really be america except for everybody together except fuck that guy <sighs> and it's just unfortunate that we keep picking somebody that and it and it's just at this point with social media added to the media perspective just adding gas to the fire it's literally causing a schism that's going to put us in a place where nobody quite understands how we got there right but now everybody's mad at each other and nobody knows what the fuck we're mad about right and that's why i have a hard time rationalizing what a civil war between america would look like because nobody even knows what the fuck we're really beefing about at the moment or where or no, it's happening in the fucking Northwest. But, <laughs> and that's where most likely it will start is in the Northwest. Is If historically we can't say- No, but I mean, started. it's not like the, the first Civil War where it was like, here's the Mason-Dixon line. Oh, yeah. No, this is going to look like, like Afghanistan. This is going to look like Vietnam where things will just culminate to certain, I guess, epicenters across the country like portland or fucking houston or i don't know somewhere illinois somewhere i am concerned that we are allowing people to interpret for us too much like i said instead of actually communicating with each other and that's what i feel like bernie was good at was bringing groups of people who normally wouldn't communicate with each other together to discuss the issues without the tribalism. Yeah, I agree. Being a Democratic senator from looking Vermont like the, who looking like for a social... the scientist who knew what was going on right. the whole time, but nobody listened to because they dropped their papers everywhere. <laughs> 
I, and look, being a Democratic senator from Vermont who is a Jew that fought for civil rights, like, yep. somebody who can understand why his constituents would want to be able to own rifles, but also feels like gay marriage isn't something that should be, you know... He wants, their, he did, he wants gay couples to decided. be able to protect their marijuana plants with guns. guns. It, it, and I feel like most of us nowadays can totally get behind that. Yeah. Right? Like... There's a few, like you said, maxims that we all draw the line at. But I, I was like... talking with, I think, Mike about the uh, the millennial concept of a Republican. And a millennial Republican's basically just a libertarian. Yeah. No, and, and I feel like most of the young, quote-unquote, Republicans that I know would sooner identify as libertarian than Republican. Right, because they're tired of the whole dog and pony show that is politics. It's fucking draining, and half of these politicians don't. We had even... two guests on here who would fall right side politically. Yeah, and they both just identify as libertarian because they see the Republican Party as just fucked up and bullshit. Yeah, it's a bunch of old coots at this point, and I'm not trying to be ageist, right? Because I was ready to vote for Bernie Sanders. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. And that was the biggest thing that that Francois was talking about. He was just like, look, I just want to be able to, like, you know, put a fence up in my yard and not have anybody tell me I can't put a fence up. Exactly. I feel it. Like, there is such a thing as too much government oversight. It's just that currently the GOP is trying to make it seem like the government oversight is in places where it shouldn't be when that's exactly where the fuck we need it. Right? And I feel like even though I'm voting, I don't agree with Joe Biden. I'm voting for him because he's clearly the more he's political Robotasu. But I agree with uh, YouTuber Cody Johnston, who said that Joe Biden should have ran as a fucking and I'm sure Cody will attribute this to somebody else. But Joe should have ran as a goddamn Republican. If he'd have ran, his positions align more with centrist Republicans. And if he'd ran as a centrist Republican, the common sense Republican, he probably could have pulled some of them away from the fray. But here he is aligned with the side that has been demonized over the last four years. Two centrist Republicans. He's a Catholic. He's, he's fairly conservative. Most of his bills that he voted for probably align more with center Republican than they do with them. And if he's Catholic, he's got plenty of guilt and shame. And he comes from Delaware where there are no fucking taxes. (laughs) I mean, that's the second thing everybody thinks of with Delaware is, oh, it's the first state and they don't have sales tax. So, like, if he ran as a Republican, I feel like he'd have been able to probably just from, I guess, a perspective point, like, or an advantage point, pulled more of them to the center again. Yeah. Whereas running as a center Democrat, he's now aligned with a lot of the people they don't fucking agree with. And that takes away from some of the potential fight that he had. And there's the problem with a two-party system. (laughs) The more you know! Which is why I said that this shit needs to change, man. We don't need the fucking... We don't need the electoral college anymore. And we don't need parties anymore. We don't need these fucking parties. Having party system... We gotta fight! (laughs) For your right! Not to party! For no parties! Yo. 
It did take me a second to figure out how to word that so it would work. Uh, you knew where I was going with it, but... And it doesn't seem like it'll be hard to find a new system to abide by, right? That still fits with the model that we have. Mm-hmm. But once again, and here's where I hate sounding ages, but I really feel like a lot of the problem is, is we have, I mean, fucking Diane Feinstein and uh, Nancy Pelosi have been in their seats for decades now. Decades. There's a problem with that. There's something that comes with the I wisdom say, of experience. Like, Pelosi... No, fuck Nancy Pelosi. No, I, I will say she is so partisan that she is so anti-Republican, but right now that's an advantage. That's what we need. But when you look at her... Once again, when you look at her voting record, this is a woman whose policies probably line up center-right. Yeah. We have all these... I fucking... I, I'm going to have to look it up. See, but the thing is, center-right is still way better than the alternative. But that's my, my point in saying that is our party systems aren't even lined up right. We have Democrats who are really center-right Republicans. And we have center-right Republicans who are really hard conservative Republicans. And then the hard conservative Republicans are actually like religious conservatives. And then the far right is far- fascist. Yeah, they're far right fascists. You don't have a far left, as they like to claim. Nobody is seeking, like, civil, like, or uh, nobody is seeking, like, hard distribution of wealth. Or redistribution of wealth, I guess, is what you would call it. Like, we're just seeking basic civil liberties that were promised to us that aren't... We are the everyone else. I'm looking for the quote that I found. That fucking wrote it out perfectly. We'll find it. Break! With all these redos and remakes and revamps, what would you bring back if you could? Hmm. Show, movie. You know, you told, you prefaced me with this before and I just did not actually think about what what am I talking about? Fucking finish Hunter X Hunter! Oh. <laughs> That's real. That's real. If we, ooh, since Japan is on the same kick of bringing animes into live action, I think they should do a live action High School of the Dead. Do you ever see High School of the Dead? It would be premiered on Pornhub. Don't no well without if they did it live action though I feel like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be High School of the Dead without all of the fucking fan fiction fan service well I mean fan service yeah what are Michael Bay movies so High School of the Dead directed by Michael Bay still tits everywhere exactly what the fuck I mean the opening scene where uh god damn it um Megan what what the fuck is her name Megan Megan Fox yeah was bent over the hood of the fucking car like that. It's, that fits right in there. <laughs> High school with a dead. Can you think of any? Uh, um, I mean, like, show? like Hunter, Hunter X Hunter was the the one where. So, all right, give me a second on that one. Um, 
Oh god, could you imagine what a live action version of that would look like? No. No, I couldn't. Who would you cast as Gong? Who's the little boy named from Stranger Things? Jonathan Taylor Thomas 25 years ago? No. That's not fair. You can't think of I guess you don't watch little kid shows, so it'd be hard to pick a young actor yeah. for that. Um, man, something that I would want to see come back. And I'll say not an anime. Not an anime. But it can be a movie, though. Can it be a cartoon? Sure. Um, Anything Spielberg did. <laughs> Any cartoon Spielberg did. Bring back you are just baiting me because that's such a good choice. Bring back Tiny Two. <laughs> Animaniacs, Animani- dog. Oh god, yeah. All right, dust for Prince. <laughs> I found Prince. Finger Prince. And then Harvey Weinstein pops up in the corner like, <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Um, celebrity Deathmatch would be a good one. I think they've tried that before. It would still be great now. If Eminem is still a part of it, Crank Yankers. I feel like they brought back Crank Yankers, too, for a brief moment, because I just saw one with Tiffany Haddish in it. I think it's on Quibi. Fucking Quibi. (laughs) Fucking... Because they brought back Reno 911 on Quibi, and I'm upset because I'm like... I wasn't. I had my I, might. I had my three month free subscription, and I was like, "This is cool for like a week." Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's fucking Disney Plus in a nutshell, right? <laughs> I think the big problem. So if whenever I think about the productiveness of an app, I always put myself into the situation of like base consumer, mm-hmm. and then or really any product, and I'd be like. Why didn't I engage with this or what did I do? So Quibi is designed like perfectly for someone like me. Like I need to go out for a smoke break. That's right when I would be like, right. open Quibi. And I think that's what their point One is. of the big things is that would have, you would have to have something so good that it breaks my automatic hit Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, because now that's like that's automatic. Especially for you're not competing with Netflix and Hulu. No, you're competing with apps on phone time. Yeah, you're competing with Candy Crush. You're competing with uh, what is that? Team Fight Tactics. Raid Shadow Legends. (laughs) Yeah, Facebook, Uh, Twitter, Fortress, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, uh, fucking uh, Grubhub. Not just Grubhub, but uh, TikTok. But I mean, think about it. You can't order food and watch your thing at the same time. Mm, that's fair. That's fair. I think, though, if... Mm, maybe if I had to bring back a TV show... Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Ooh, good one. It's a good one. I feel like that would be pretty good today's day and age. I mean, they just redid Sabrina, right? If they did Buffy the Vampire Slayer the way they redid Sabrina except for didn't make Buffy a fucking airhead, then (laughs) maybe. And I I guess I can't call Sabrina an airhead, but goddamn, talk about being in your own fucking way. I couldn't finish the show because if a main character has ever been in their own fucking way, the new Sabrina is definitely it. Yeah. Like, uh... How long do you think it'll take before they redo The Sopranos? 
We talked about this. They cannot redo the Sopranos. Or they can't do a now today Sopranos. Because fucking James Gandolfini is dead. And we were talking about recasting him. That didn't stop them from continuing the Fast and the Furious franchise, though. Uh, yeah, Paul Walker is not Tony Soprano. <laughs> but Paul Walker is Paul Walker, right? And yeah, but what's Paul Walker's Fast and the Furious character's name? So what would be the... What's Paul Walker's Fast and the Furious character name? My point exactly. <laughs> I really tried just now. I couldn't. My you know point long, exactly. Do you know how long it's been since I've watched the Fast and the Furious movie, though? And that's my point. <laughs> do you know how long it's been since people watched? So you're telling me, though, if they redid The Sopranos or if they started The Sopranos over in the same way that they're doing Dexter the without so Tony... Like, you can't see them bringing on... Who'd you say? Paul Giamatti? Like, what if they brought in Paul Giamatti to replace... Paul Giamatti... All right, so, like, he wouldn't... You can't make Paul Giamatti Tony Soprano. Nobody's, nobody said Like, he would have to do to. some... Like, you can't do a... You can't go to, like, a, a light skin and Viv. Like, you just can't do it. No, but nobody said they had to, though. Like, what if they just... Okay, now fucking Uncle Paulie's here. But, I mean, like, an actor, if you were going to put somebody in James Gandolfini's, like, position. Like, I could see Paul Giamatti doing it. Who did I say? God damn it, I can't remember who I said now. Joe Pesci. No, you well, said yeah, Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci was one, and I feel like that would be fitting, right? He's not big enough, like, physically. <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, do you mean, like, height-wise or, like, actor-wise? Um, no, who was the other one I said? Hmm. Fuck, I think I scrolled past it. Ben Affleck? No, ew, no. Really? Ew. <laughs> God, you might as well just spit on James Gandolfini's grave. I'm sure all the families of the people he whacked already have. Uh, God damn it, I can't remember who it was now. Um... Oh, I said Kelsey Grammer, <laughs> but I was joking when I said that, though. Keith David. Like, what if they brought Keith David? <laughs> Completely fucked up the whole dynamic, right? Because if you're going to bring back the Sopranos, why why fuck with the original dynamic? Let's change it all the way up and bring in a black fucking Italian. <laughs> or, or you can just, you know, stay in the wheelhouse of iconic villain TV actors and just say fuck it and get Ron Perlman and make him somehow work. Mm. Mm. Bring him in as kind of like a um, fuck. Who's that Irish gangster that they could never catch? I should know this. Johnny Depp just did a movie where he was him. I don't know. I should know this. I have family right. that was in the IRA. I, I don't. Ooh, that's a heavy drop. And then you wonder why we're always getting drops from Ted. Oh, um, I mean, like distant dead relatives from the IRA. Yeah. So I should have known it just from, like, history's perspective. Well, from history's perspective, I think it's quite safe to say, looking at today, none that, of this. That, none, of, none of this? Not a goddamn bit. Of none of this is fucking normal! None of it! Peace. Be safe. <laughs>
Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates.